Chapter 2 I had to install a ramp to my office a decade ago. Something about being compliant for the wheelchair folks. I'm often pretty non-compliant, but I figured I'd give in. It takes a lot of effort to fight the city of Oakland. Gotta pick your battles and all that. I was ticked off at the time, but honestly I'm grateful for it now. At the end of my walk around the lake, the last half mile was on autopilot as I thought about Parks and Stony, about what they said, sure, but more about the looks on their faces as they said it. Parks doesn't scare easily. She's a black cop in Oakland and a woman to boot, and that means she has already pretty much seen it all. Her father was kind of a famous police around here, and he was also kind of infamous with his colleagues. He was a reformer, a man who moved up the ladder through hard, honest work, but he was also a black man that didn't sit well with everybody. And Harks decided to follow in his footsteps as a police, and to do it in Oakland, which sort of makes her infamous by proxy. Her father wasn't the sort to use his rank to help her succeed, and people were looking too closely at her for that anyway. Instead of smoothing things over for her, he looked the other way and let her handle the bullshit herself more often than he would have with any other police. I suspect she loved him pretty hard for that. But all of this means that dead body or two wouldn't normally face her much. She cared, sure, but she was all about the job, getting it done, figuring it all out, stopping the people who needed stopping. I hadn't seen fear on her face very often. Stoney, too, has been around. Told me once that he had people who had been in Black Panthers in Oakland, that he had received some breakfast through their breakfast program. His father went to prison for something he didn't do, for something small that they made into something big. His mom raised him during a dangerous time in Oakland. Well, if I'm being honest, being a black kid in Oakland has always been a little dangerous. So he was a pretty tough guy. He didn't scare easily. I think his biggest fear lately is that he won't be able to live around the lake much longer, which would be a shame. Point is, they were both spooked, which meant I was spooked. As I walked up the ramp to my office by the lake, my brain felt a little itchy. I wanted to see what they had seen, or I wouldn't be able to start putting the puzzle pieces together. The door was locked. I had told Daria that she could leave it unlocked once she got in, that maybe we'd get a walk in from time to time, but she wouldn't have it. They can ring the bell, she'd tell me. Probably smart. My keys in hand, the sun was just right for me to see my reflection in the grid of glass on the door. Faded lettering was reflected there, too. Walter Denon Investigations. I'd had that lettering redone too many times over the years. Something about the salty lake and the direct sun for a few hours during the afternoon wasn't kind to advertising my business. I took my cigar out of my mouth to get a good look at my face. I used to be handsome, I guess, in that hound dog way, I have been told. People, people often thought I was from the Midwest for some reason. Must have been my family roots showing through. Those bags under my eyes sure aren't getting any smaller. Many mornings now I think maybe it's time to hang it all up. The business, yes, but 
maybe all of it. Get out of Oakland, out of California. Head to Idaho like lots of folks from here do when they retire from Montana. We'll see. I think about it a lot now, but the lake always comes back into my field of vision and back into my mind. I just don't see how I could go on without the lake now. It's been my neighbor, my friend, for far too long. Maybe I'll stick around as long as she does. We'll see. Walt, Daria says, opening the door in front of me, surprising me out of my trance. You have a call, Walt. Want to take it? There's some cop. I, uh, hmm, I say, dropping my keys back into my jacket pocket. I'll tell him you'll call him back, she says, making my decision for me, holding the door open for me and then turning around and heading into the office. No, 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 I'll take it. Who is it again? Some cop. We may have to work on your phone skills, I say, as I take off my jacket and head toward my desk. Oh, you know, they all sound the same to me, except Harks. When are you going to bring her by again? She's a cutie. Don't you have a girlfriend? Like I would date a cop anyway. I just like to window shop, to browse. She lets that last word flow slowly off her tongue. Then she hands me the phone, presses a button. This is Walter Denon. Hey, Walt, this is Curtis. I groan, looking at Daria, who I'm certain knows who is on the other end of the line. Curtis was Hart's partner in work, not my favorite person or hers, which Daria knows. She stands in front of me, barely containing her joy at having tricked me. What can I do for you, Detective Prack? Prack always used my first name. He didn't seem to catch on that I never used his. Hey, Walt. He repeated, I just wanted to ask you if you've talked to Tanya this morning. We were supposed to meet up, and she's goofing off. It's usually you she's goofing off with. Prack was trying to be light and funny, but coming off as his usual self, which is not ever really very funny. Sorry, detective, I can't keep track of your partner for you. Maybe you should track her phone. Tried that. She kills it when she's goofing off. Well, I hope you find her. Give her my best when you do, and I hang up before he can continue. Right now, that's the best I can do to keep Harks out of trouble. I could have used an assist there, Daria. Have you ever screened a call for me? Oh, I save you from lots of cold calls. And, of course, all those ex-girlfriends calling to harass you, but I don't want to ever keep Prack away from you. If I have to talk to him, you have to talk to him. Who uh, works for who again here? It's an open question. Daria is sipping her coffee from a ceramic cup that says male tears. Hand it over, she says. Daria, I'd like you to do some research on the Oakland Auditorium, please. Who owns it now? Does Oakland still own it? And if not, we need to find out who. And who's hanging out there kicking the homeless folks out of the parking lot? She ignores everything I've said. Hand it over, old man. She holds out her hand, palm up. What is it with the old man stuff today? You whippersnappers are on my lawn again. I do my best old man impression, which is undercut considerably by the fact that I'm actually an old man. Hark's already called. She likes me, 
She knows you have all the fun stuff for yourself. So she let me know you'd be coming by with a present for me. Thumb drive, please. So yourself, I say, giving in and placing it in her hand. But I want that auditorium research today, please. After you're done looking at the fun stuff. Mm-hmm, she says, heading toward her desk. Hey, Daria, I try for my best serious tone. Let's use the air-gapped laptop for that. I point the th at the thumb drive in her hand. She stops mid-sit and stands back up. Really? Okay, now I'm definitely in charge of this case. She rolls her chair over to the locked filing cabinet. She holds her hand out again. Keys. You have your own. Yeah, but they're way over there. She indicates her desk almost within arm's reach. I shake my head but walk over and hand them to her and then get settled at my desk. Inside the filing cabinet is a laptop I keep around for more sensitive data work. She opens it, plugs it in, holds it up, keyboard facing me. You also have the password for this, I say. Yeah, I don't remember it. You don't let me play with the fun toys often enough. I type in my passphrase and head over to the fridge. Do we have any of that chai left? She ignores me, already bent over the laptop, deep diving into whatever is on the thumb drive.